You're listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. We're doing a little bit of hand-wringing there over the Seattle Mariners and the situation that they find themselves in. The other thing, though, man, if you look around the American League, specifically, no one's separated from the pack. I know one. Every this is it is incredibly wide open, and for a Mariners team that's young, that's the best news for a young team. Like you always want to hold out hope and room for possibility of hey, things can, things can can click. You can get into place. What has Jerry told us this entire year? The development of young players is not linear. The development of young players is not step by step incremental progress. Young players make leaps. And it's just a question of when you get to that point when they make a leap. And in a year like this where there's not much separation, hey, that means if you get hot and it clicks for you, you've still got time and there's room. Nobody's so far out in front that you can't catch them, Paul. Right. The American League West is wide open. I mean. Who's the best team? I think it's the Astros because. Houston probably. I mean, what you've seen out of the A's in the six games that the Mariners have played them. Have you been convinced that that team is significantly better than Seattle? I'm not. I mean, no, Matt Chapman's either. supposed to be one of their best players, right? He stinks Dude, now. He's awful. He's what happened? A, I have no idea. It's he's so strange. On a third of his at-bats. He's striking out on one-third of his at-bats. It is shocking, and it's puzzling to watch. I love that dude as a player, and, and it's baffling to watch that happen. Yeah, that used to be one of the better players in the American League, and now all of a sudden, what? What's going on there? So, yeah, I, I, I really wonder about that. And honestly, the A's, if you take away that 13-game winning streak that they had, they're right back in the same place where the Seattle Mariners probably are right now if it's a little bit of a more realistic stretch that they were going on, 7-6, and because they had that brutal start to their year. Is it the Tampa Bay Rays? I mean, they traded their best player. They have the best record in the American League right now, but they got rid of Blake Snell this offseason. It's weird the way that it has played out. I, I, I Of course, I'm not expecting anything you know, out of the Mariners the rest of the way, but you're right in that. They are not in a spot where they are going to be at the way back of the pack and very clearly in the midst of a rebuild. That They haven't lost touch with the pack because everybody's kind of clumped in together. That creates opportunities. It also kind of creates a question of, okay, which, which direction do you go? It, it, you, don't, you don't, for lack of a better term, decide it's, you're a seller. Are you necessarily a buyer, though? That's probably not the right position for this team where it has, is in the development curve. You still end up looking and watching for your players' growth. You, you, you hope that Jared Kelnick grows into and becomes a, a big part of your lineup, especially with Kyle Lewis out here. And then you try to continue weathering the, the storm of injuries, which has predominantly hit your pitching staff, which has been very, very tough to wrestle with. And that has been something that you've had to deal with. All of those things are a real struggle and a real challenge right now. Yeah. Is it wishful thinking, hoping that or expecting that the injuries will not be as much of a problem at some point this year? It's so random. You can't do anything but hope when it comes to injuries. I don't believe in being cursed or anything like that. We are joined now by Mariners General Manager Jerry Depoto, who's with us for the weekly visit. And we won't ask you how to avoid injuries, Jerry, because I don't think any team has solved that riddle. You just are subject to them occasionally. But we we really do appreciate you joining us today. Oh, you got it, guys. Uh, I guess kind of just in general, to, to start with an update, we had Justin Dunn 
who who missed a start or may miss his next start placed on the 10 day injured list kind of added to a list of guys you you guys have really been stung along the pitching staff specifically with injuries this year yeah i think we're cursed i'm playing with you on the the intro but you know we have we have had a really tough couple of months and it's we've talked about it before it's it's i guess a thing with the league around us as well this has been a really tough year for injuries and all all the teams are experiencing it and one of our general patterns of thought this year has been, you know, can the team that stays healthiest has a chance among that middle pack has a chance to wind up, you know, in the postseason at the end. You just have your best players on the field for the longest, and and we've been unable to do that. But hopefully, we're able to uh, to uh, turn the ship around in the second half and, and get some of these guys back and playing well. We saw yesterday that Kyle Lewis might be looking at a second opinion on his meniscus, and Scott Service had said yesterday he's feeling really down. Should we expect a prolonged absence from Lewis? Uh, I would imagine so. You know, much like we we experienced coming out of spring training, anything that we do with Kyle, we're going to make sure that we're hypersensitive to to the needs, and we want him to have a long career here in Seattle and, and to thrive. And my guess is that that, that is going to result this time in a, in a bit of a prolonged absence. I am hopeful that we'll see him again this year on the field, but I don't think it's going to be quick. So uh, we're going to take our time, identify how we can help. And, you know, and, and Kyle needs to make some decisions on what he wants to do. But uh, again, I don't think this is going to be days and, and weeks. I think it's going to be longer than that. That's given an opportunity for Taylor Trammell to, to come back up and get into the lineup. He's been playing primarily left field or will play primarily left field, though he was in center last night. And you saw right away that maybe maybe the, the trip down to the minors gave a boost to his confidence because he, he's certainly been hitting the ball hard since he came back up. You know, that's one of the things that that you can do with, with sending a player back to AAA is it, it's not always to for the magical fix, uh, you know, the, the swing fix, visit with the hitting coach who gets them right. You know, the, the old legends, ah, send them back and, and they'll, they'll get them right in AAA. Mostly it's just going back and remember all the things you do well and finding your confidence and, you know, finding the barrel of the bat consistently, which Taylor did from the moment he arrived in Tacoma. And, you know, a couple of weeks, uh, two or three weeks in, in Tacoma resulted in a different level of confidence when he steps in the box, much like when we broke spring training. And you know, I, I really like the at-bats he's taken. Faced some really tough left-hand pitching in the last two days, especially with guys like Manaya and Deepman. And he's he's hanging in there, and he's hitting the ball hard. And and we've seen what Taylor can do when he's in a good place, and then the tools play. He's he's such a fun player to watch, and I was thrilled when I when I saw you know how he looked in the box because it was very different than three weeks ago when when he left and. That's an encouraging thing. That's what player development's about. Jerry, you've talked before with us about kind of the approach at the plate and and having when you guy when when guys swing, having a pitch that you can do some damage with. There's been a lot of conversation about the average this year, but I was looking at the home runs because while, while the average is is among the lower teams, the collective team average, your guys' power numbers are are are, are fairly high. In comparison, I mean, it's a middle of the pack in terms of overall home runs. And and I wondered, not that it's a design to, to have a lower average, but if, if the fact that your power, your team's power numbers 
are are where they are is a reflection that that guys are when they swing and make contact are doing damage with the pitches they hit. Yes, and and I you know and no, I think one of the you know an, an alternative explanation is we just have players who have real ability. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. they're and and they do they do tend to flow up and down. But the approach that you talked about, Danny, is that's generally what we preach is, you know, is get a good pitch to hit, let those balls be center and then do damage. And and they're doing that for the most part. But we don't want to be a 200 hitting team. And I don't think our hitters are 200 hitters. So the design itself is meant to produce, you know, impact results, powerful results. And we think over time, the batting average is going to improve. Some of it's going to improve by by harder contact on balls that are in play, and you know the harder contact on balls in play right now. That is where you know for most of the players individually that we have who are struggling, and for us collectively as a team, we have had very little you know would call it bad luck. When we put the ball in play, we're not really experiencing good results, which you know tends to even out over time and. And again, just like with the injury bug, I'm hoping that in the second half, you know, our Babbitt luck starts to turn a little bit. The guy who statistically in baseball has the worst Babbitt luck is Jared Kelnick. It's been tough for him because he has been making contact, and we've seen some at-bats where you feel, hey, look, he's got a chance, particularly a couple of days ago against the A's, but he gets the off day yesterday. How are you feeling about where he's at right now? Because... Obviously, this is a pretty difficult stretch for him, and we did see from Taylor Trammell, him going back down and coming back up, that he is able to perhaps learn a couple of things from going down and facing a lower level of pitching. You know, it's a, it, and anything's possible as it's necessary, but I, I will say this about J.K., he's not going to bat at 120 for the year. I'd say he's, just, he's much better than that on a skill level. And, you know, it's unfortunate. I think prior to this homestand, especially the series with the A's, Jared's at bats I mean, really good. And he's hitting the ball hard and he's doing all the right things. And if you would have told me that, you know, two and a half weeks into his major league career, he was going to have a 9% walk rate and a 25% strikeout rate, I'd say, sign me up. This is going to go really well. <laughs> and, you know, for a rookie in this league at his age with his experience, now, he is doing the right things, and you know it's just not resulting in, in in hits. And it's the first time he's ever gone through this in his life. And you know, it's again, it's not a particularly long period. You know, eighty at bats or eighty plate appearances over the course of you know three-ish weeks. That's not going to define who he is. But I, I, again, the underlying information suggests good things he's drawing about an average walk rate he's striking out a little more than than the average player in his first 80 plate appearances that that would almost be defined as ideal and in, in the process you want to see and i think the results will catch up yeah it's interesting i thought the two walks he took um in in, in the a series in in i think it was the first game of the a series were especially telling that hey he hasn't lost sight of the strike zone he, he's he's not chasing things. He's not he's not looking after things. But man, it's tough to balance that. Hey, the process is good and keep everyone and yeah. maybe even Jared from from focusing on the results. What are you seeing from his his body language and how he's playing? You can see the frustration starting to build up, especially with this last series with the A's. And 
Uh, it's it's frustrating for a player who is used to. I mean, he's not used to getting a hit a night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's used to getting multiples, and you know, for him to to go out and go through a stretch like this, where he's now you know he's a dry spell north of twenty plate appearances. I was proud of him in the first game of the Oakland series for going up there and taking his walks. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's the, it's the key. That's how you get out of these things is you see pitches. And, you know, I'm going to use Jake Fraley as an example. In spring training, if you recall, the first week or 10 days of spring training, it couldn't have been going too much worse for Jake. And, you know, he, he wasn't hitting, he wasn't getting on base. There wasn't a lot going on, you know, positively for him. And he just started tracking pitches he started taking he started forcing the pitcher to throw it over the heart of the plate and then lo and behold over the last three weeks of spring training he was really good and and played his way onto the team and and i i think that's generally how you get out of it and if you look at the best hitters in the world when they get in their slumps that's what they do is they see more pitches until they feel comfortable and and once they feel comfortable with their their approach the hits start to come again and yeah, I don't think that, that Jared Kelnick is going to be a streaky major league hitter. He's he's a very consistent hitter with a good approach. He's just right now a young player who's trying to figure out how to slow it down a little bit. And then my guess is he will sooner than later. Jerry, it's always great to talk to you, and we appreciate it very much, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks, Jerry. All right, guys.